So it's Anne here, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, which is the platform that we use in order to create this fabulous podcast that you've been listening to. Let me tell you, it is such an easy way to make a podcast. It's free, right? No money down, nothing, no bills every month. That's absolutely 100% free. And the other thing that's really cool is you don't need any special equipment because you can record your podcast and you can edit it right from your computer and you can use your phone if you want to too. That works as well. And also, Anchor does a lot of the work for you because they will distribute your podcast for you so that you can be heard on Spotify and Apple and gosh, so many other podcast platforms that are out there. And you don't have to do anything with that either. They just will throw it out there for everybody else to listen to. The other thing that's pretty cool is you can make money from your podcast and you don't have to have any minimum listenership, which is good for us because I think we have about like three people in our minimum listenership. In any case, once we get more people, I think Anchor will help us find more sponsors. So if you wouldn't mind, this is a call to action for you to go out there and help other people find us so that Anchor will give us some more sponsors so that we can make some more money. Anyway, back to the ad. It has everything you need right here to make your podcast all in one place. So if you have something to say, and maybe nobody's listening to you at home, and maybe if you made a podcast, then at least somebody would listen to you, go get Anchor. Download the app, go to anchor.fm, and get started. Chris Stuchko, co-host of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. So a while ago, we released this episode, which was episode 28 about social promotion. And I got a lot of phone calls and concerned listeners saying that the audio basically sucked. It was so low. They could barely hear it. They turn up, they turn it up to hear it. And then when the interludes came on, it would just blast their ears out. It was just really uncomfortable. So I'm sure a lot of people were like so frustrated that they didn't even bother listening to the episode, which it happens to be a really good one. There's a lot of really good information in here. So I felt like it was now the time to re-release this episode with the audio corrected so that it now plays as it should have played the first time. You know, I'm a beginning podcaster. I do all of this recording and stuff myself. So it took me a while to figure out how to fix it. And I think I did. So I hope you'll give this episode another listen and uh, let's get started. Hey, it's Anne here to introduce today's episode all about social promotion. You know, that practice where schools promote students to the next grade based on age instead of mastery. The idea is that keeping kids with their peer group is better for their self-esteem. Not to mention, promoting students with behavior problems provides some sense of relief to the teacher, knowing that the student who made the class crazy won't be back in their class next year. The alternative has been retention. The idea is that repeating a grade will let students improve skills that weren't at grade level. Research, however, doesn't back this idea up. Instead, retention increased the dropout rate and lowered students' self-esteem. And though initially it did boost student performance, the gains didn't continue over the long haul. The push towards one policy or the other is like that proverbial swinging pendulum. Grade retention was the policy of choice in the 1990s and the early 2000s, as the President Clinton and George W. Bush pushed for ways to deal with poor performance in school. They thought that this policy would put some teeth behind failure and be a significant incentive to encourage students to work harder. But when the schools faced the fact that too many students were being retained, uh, some of them more than once, and angry parents and frustrated teachers and upset students and rising costs that came with housing students in lower grades over and over again, they often returned to social promotion. An overwhelming amount of studies show that neither policy accomplishes filling in the gaps in knowledge in students who are underachieving. But if a choice must be made, social promotion is the least damaging to student outcomes. So what's a teacher to do? 
In this episode, we discuss what ed code and district policies say about retention and promotion. We explore the research and what's happening in our own classes. And then, of course, we explain our suggestions for how to fix this mess. Oh, and a new voice joins us this episode. Welcome Yvonne, who shares her elementary school teacher perspective. Now we've got voices from grades K through 12. Unfortunately, Yvonne's audio isn't as clear as it should be, and some of her insightful comments may be difficult to hear. And Sharon was mobile and on headphones and left us when her phone died. Although, of course, she did get in her usual insightful comments in the beginning. Again, as always, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in and sharing our podcast with friends, family, teachers, and others who are interested in knowing what's really happening in our classrooms. Rate and review us on your favorite platform, as it really does help listeners find us. And now, here's the show. Episode 28, Social Promotion. Welcome to Transparency and Teaching. We're here today with me, Anne, and Jen, and Sharon Can't Talk, (laughs) 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 and Sharon, and and I'd like to induce, I'd like to induce, I'd like to induce labor. No, I'd like to introduce the yeah. newest member of the Transparency and Teaching team and lovely Yvonne. Welcome, Yay. Yvonne. Yay. Thank you for having me. Well, having you. You're going to be here for now. You are a part of the team, my friend. Oh. So can you give- It's our- like, what? I just volunteered for the day. Yeah, sorry. You're in for life now, ankle chain. Um <laughs> So uh, give us a little uh, background for our listener, the one listener we have out there that listens. To oh, us on regular one. Basis. okay, let great. Them, let them know a little bit about lies. We have listeners in like Finland. <laughs> we do actually one, I think some guys <laughs> sitting on a lake with a fishing pole in an ice hole or something. Yeah, he's probably some perv. <laughs> oh, four women's voices. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to think about it. <laughs> Let's pretend it's some nice teacher somewhere that needs our help. Okay, okay. go ahead, Ron. Sorry, we'll be quiet. Um, I believe it's my 13th or 14th year I've been teaching. So I started a little bit later than probably most. Um, I've been teaching elementary school. I've taught first, kinder. I've taught all grades now, I think, except for fourth. Damn. At some point in time, I do have to say fifth grade is my absolute favorite. That's where I'm teaching right now. And I've done two combos, which suck. I don't know how they can do that, but um, I love the school I'm at. I love the teachers I work with. I just hate all the other bullshit that goes along with politics that goes along with being a teacher. We we're so happy to have you here because we have the middle school. Jen and I are sort of the middle school people. We've got Sharon at the high school, and now we have the you know the whole circle back. We have the elementary voice as well now. So I think that's really important that you joined us. So thank you for agreeing to be part of this crazy group. Mm-hmm. So excited! How is school going, everybody? Oh fuck! So you let me tell you how my day started. This was just what's today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. My brain's so fried, I don't even know what day it is. I know it ends in a Y. So I was out at duty this morning, right? And I'm at duty not even four minutes, and a full-blown fight just breaks up, like, literally two feet away from me. I'm yelling at these boys to stop. One's got his hand around the other one's throat, trying to, like, kill him, strangle him. And, uh, it, yeah, it was a shit show. All the kids, because, you know, that's what they do. The whole school goes buck-ass wild. Everyone starts running over. And these kids, yeah, just, yeah, we're just going to go out and try to kill each other. So what happened? Um, I saw them walking around campus at lunch. That's what happened. (laughs) That is so, that is so fucking insane. Like, I don't understand if if something like that happens. Like, can't you just, like, keep them somewhere for the day at least? They were, they were, one of them was in line at my student store. So I was, and I remember I was like, 
what the hell? Why is this kid out at lunch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> par for the course. It seems lately people are very frustrated with the discipline um, at our junior high. Anyway, the kids just seem like they're disregard for authority. They don't want to yeah. listen. Every oh, don't, don't you dare step on me. You don't disrespect me, you know, everything. It's, it's really frustrating. You know, yeah. It's, um, I, I, I'm just going to say that it has gotten way better at our school. It, it, and I think, and I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking, um, because you're talking, we're talking like retention, right. And having kids stay in a grade level or, you know, having them do whatever discipline, all these issues, but like at the middle school, like there's really no place to send them at the high school. There's There's other places that they can send them. So like by, by the time we got back from winter break, like I lost five of my worst kids. Oh my God. My life. Oh, you mean they're gone? They're gone. They're gone. Permanently, yes. they're still at school, but they're gone. Permanently. They're gone. They get to go to community yeah. school. Right? Yeah, they're gone. They're at community oh, school. They've um, they were in a district transfer, and their transfer got canceled. Whatever. They're not at school anymore. Don't they? And they can go to they can go to continuation high school. As right, well. wherever they are, they're not at our school anymore. They're gone, and and you can't do that there. See, now I've lost those. My most of my days are cake now. Most of my days are awesome. Jeez. And, and, and re- remember how horrible they were at the beginning of the year? I, I was like dying. And, and I just can't believe what a difference it's made to get rid of just those handful of kids. And the rest of them have all come around. Oh, huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Is it, but is it your admin? Admin was taking care of it then. Well, I think, well, I don't know. It's high school, man. I don't, like, I know what's going on there. I don't know shit. I still don't know who's in charge of what, but, <laughs> but I know that they, that the student services is a whole department. So there's two um, directors of student services and then there's a vice principal of student services. And then they've got, they've got two secretaries there and, and they pretty well handle, handle their business. And if you can't, if you're having trouble with the kid, I had trouble with the kid the other day when he gave me his fucking phone, sounds minor, but he was being a dick. So I called student services. They, they were there within a minute and took that kid out of my class. Oh my God. Ah. So, so that's different. That's different. And you don't have that option. And that would make such no. a difference. What's it like at elementary? How's that behavior been over there? It's been out of, especially with the upper grade students, you know, fifth and sixth, some fourth, you know, there seems to be a lot of disrespect, entitlement, um, whatever they do. We see somebody, like Jen just said, somebody got in a fight. Another person we see is, I have a special friend in my class. And he is walking out, running around, yelling, screaming, taking down back- backpacks, throwing them around, kicking them, doing, doing the most every single minute of the day. And then I see that he's out there with an incentive because he needed a break. <laughs> and so he's out there, <laughs> a break from yeah. doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So he is out there. Um, they're doing an incentive, which is throwing water balloons and having pizza because they, they want a prize. So he's out there organizing the line and handing out water balloons. <laughs> so My he, other students are like, well, we didn't win. Why is he out there? Well, yeah, he, he was just whatever the my shit fuck he wants. I'm thinking there must yeah. have been a memo that's gone around recently to all of the schools that say, you know, kids who are struggling don't, it's not that, that they need discipline. They need encouragement and they need some rewards or something like that. Um, in order to uh, see that there's like, hope for them and that they're not just being punished all the time. I feel like that's what we're, we're doing now. They bring the kids in, they go, don't do that. Here's a soda and some chips. Hope you feel better. And go out there and be a nice person. Um, yeah. and, and then they come back to our class. They walk in with their soda and the chips and the kids, the rest of the kids are like, what? I'm going to do that too. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's not a very good consistent message of what expectations are and that there are consequences for your behaviors um, that are consistent so that kids know that if I do this, this is definitely what's going to happen. Well, I mean, it's, you know, sorry, but I'm going to talk a little parent trash here. I mean, I don't know how many kids that I have. I mean, I can't even count them on my fingers and toes where they're a complete fucking asshole in the classroom. You call the parent. Oh, I'll take care of it. They show up the next day with brand new shoes or, oh, my, you know, my mom said 
she's going to do this for me or this or this. We had a student just today. We called a parent yesterday because this kid won't take his AirPods out and he's not doing shit in class because he's obsessed with his AirPods, right? So we called mom and she's like, I just bought him a brand new pair of AirPods and I told him he couldn't take them to school. Am I right? And this was yesterday. So, oh, well, I'm taking those away. Those He will not have those anymore. Don't worry. The kid showed up today at school with his fucking AirPods. I'm all, good job, mom. Like, you know what I mean? We have another student that is, I, I've never had a student in so much trouble my entire life. And there's a day his mom just doesn't even make him go to school because, you know, he doesn't feel like it. So he doesn't have to go to school. And then he's bragging about, oh, my mom bought me this. My mom bought me that. And it's true. He shows up in all this brand new stuff. And he, we speak to mom constantly. So that whole, yeah, let's give him incentives, incentives. Look where that got us. We, we did that all the beginning of the school year. And we've never had more problems than we've ever had, like with, with discipline and behaviors. I mean, people, people, admin will say, no, no, it's getting better. I felt like it was getting better for a couple of weeks, but now it's like, we're going back in the shithole. It's getting bad again. Spring break. It's, you know, it's spring fever, spring break. Mm-hmm. That mentality. Kids done is, lost their mind. They have. Absolutely. I wish my student would be out. I'm like, oh, he's out. <laughs> He said, he told me one day, he's, when are you going to have a sub? When are you going to have a sub? When are you going to have a sub? Finally, after the fifth time, I said, when are you going to be out for 10 days? I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> that's my mentality right now. Right? We, we all have one, don't we? That kind of digs in our sides a little bit more than others. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, I think um, teachers right now, they just really need a place to vent. I think because there's just a lot of things that are tying an admin's hands, it seems like with laws and things that are about what you can do for um, suspending what you can do for discipline, what, right. what things you can discipline, what you can't. Um, it's gotten really complicated. And I think we're seeing the effects of that now. Um, especially, especially if you're with, special ed. Yes, that there's way more protections and way more yeah. steps you have to follow if the child has been um, designated um, as a special education student, that's for sure. That's true. But anyways, enough of venting. Let's get on to something else to vent on. Let's move on to today's topic, which is social promotion. Is it something that is working? Is it not working? What should we do instead? So I was looking up some things. There's a little bit of background about social promotion. Um, Basically, the rate of retention in the United States is estimated at about 15% per year, which I thought, I don't know, I think that sounds a lot to me, but I, because I I think it sounds a lot to me because I never see kids retained. So yeah, like, I don't know the last time I heard of a kid mm -mm. being retained. I couldn't even tell you. No, the overall retention rates have increased by 40% over the past 20 years, meaning that 30 to 50% of children have been retained at least once before the ninth grade. Interesting. The highest retention rates are found among the poor, minority, and inner city youth. That's no surprise. Statistics also indicate that boys are retained more often than girls. That is also not surprising. English language learners, minority students, and children who have late birth dates have attention problems, they come from single parent households or experience frequent school changes are also most likely to be retained. Does that surprise anyone? Not really. Nope. Okay, so um, these statistics uh, that I'm reading came from an article called Beyond Social Promotion and Retention. Um, it was actually a really good article, it had a lot of interesting information in it. They were talking about both being promoted without regard to effort or achievement or retained without extra assistance, right? Sends a message to students that little is expected from them and that they have little worth and they do not warrant the time and effort, right? So if you're promoting kids without regard for their effort or achievement, or if you're going to retain them, but not give them any added assistance, you're just making them basically go through the same hoop again. Yeah, that's stupid. sending a bad message to the kid because it didn't work the first time. Why are you making them do it again the second time? Um, So um, they also talked about 
social promotion and retention that they both are not very good at solving the problem of filling in the gap because what's prob- the problem is it mostly is attacking the problem way after it's already been started. They didn't nip it in the bud, so to speak. We're not catching kids early enough. So the biggest thing that I came across was that neither one of those is a good solution to the problem. So I don't know. How do you guys feel about retention and promotion? I'm just saying from elementary, you know, you try to, like you said, nip it in the bud, but then they're already coming to you in fifth grade and they're already four grade levels behind. They're reading at a kinder or first grade level. Mm-hmm. So where did that start? Yeah. Right. What's going on in the, in the primaries? Why aren't they, why isn't there more interventions or, or testing that keeps those kids from moving on? Or why isn't there something going on that's help, helping that? I hate pointing fingers at, at, you know, the TK through third grade, but that's to me, the, those grades to me are the most crucial grades ever. Like that's where absolutely. all the foundation absolutely. is. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And when I have an I, I address, you know, whomever I need to speak to, the SST process, whatever, it's, it's still the same thing. You know, this kid is reading at a kindergarten level, but yet you're in fifth grade. Now everybody's going to use the whole, we were locked down, pandemic, gap, COVID shit, excuse, to fill in those gaps. But these kids were already reading. They were, yeah, they were already below before In COVID. first grade. Yeah. yeah. In first grade, in second grade, they're still, and they're still not at grade level. Right. My seventh graders who are reading at fourth grader at fourth grade or third grade level, they didn't drop that many grade levels over two and a half years. They were never at grade level. Yeah. They never got there in the first place. Yeah. So I had students when I first went into BR into um, fifth grade that were BR. They didn't even get a number. I was like a beginning reader. (laughs) BR. That's what we call it. (laughs) Our left call a beginning reader in fifth grade. That's like a negative point. There's no lexile. It's beginning reader. So, Yvonne, what do, do you ever ask? Like, what do the teachers say that are in, in those uh, primary grades? What is what are they doing or what's going on at your school? Is there anything that you know that they're doing to help catch these kids before it become, gets to this point? Well, I know they do um, a heavy phonics and they do intervention. I know they do intervention. Um, they We do have an intervention group that rotates, you know, throughout actually an intervention teacher that rotates throughout grade levels to help those students. And we have seen progress. However, when you're so far behind, I mean, your progress is you were kinder. Now you're reading at a first grade level, but you're still in sixth grade. What you just said though, was key to me. We have an intervention teacher that travels through grades. There should be multiple teachers per grade level intervention teachers helping these kids one teacher is not going to cut it you know what i mean you can't get it in 20 minutes a day no and they need to the they need to provide more funding because at those lower grade levels for more of those teachers that you should have one teacher for like every five students or something like that that are below grade level that they just work with them work with them work with them you know what i mean it's ridiculous this is exactly what our district should use that COVID um, money for. Because the conversation at the high school was, um, you know, we have that you time, like you guys have that, you had that homeroom time. And the conversation was, if we get rid of that, what are we going to do with our intervention money that the state sent for COVID? And I'm like, wait, is that the conversation we're having? Because if that's the conversation we're having, then we should hire all intervention teachers and they should go to all the elementary schools and they should be focusing on all of those kids so we don't have a whole generation of fucked up kids. Mm-hmm. But then if we have a generation of fucked up kids, we can't blame it on all intervention, like, you know, the reading and they're so far behind. We have to also hold parents accountable. Oh, big because time. Because they're, they're, like you said, they're, they're rewarding them. They're, they're enablers. A lot of, I mean, enabling them. Wrong. Entitlement. Parents out there, but absolutely. Some of them, I'm like, your kid is never absent. I wonder why you do not want them. <laughs> right. It's the ones that you're like, gosh, just give me a break. Make that kid absent today. They have perfect attendance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting though, that, you know, with all the research that says promotion and retention policies, you know, don't work, right? Promoting a kid, retaining a kid doesn't work, right? But 80% of teachers and employers think it's worse for a child that's struggling to be promoted to the next grade than to be held back. And then 87% of parents 
said they would approve of policies that require students to pass a test to be promoted, even if it means their child would be left back. So people are on board with retaining kids, but um, it's, it doesn't work apparently. Well, and the kids aren't stupid. They know that they don't have to do shit and they're going to go to the next level. They know that they, they will outright say, well, what does it matter? Who cares if I get straight S or don't do anything or don't try because I'm still going to go to the next grade. And they're 100% correct. Yeah, that's how they are. And they know it. They know it. I think when I first started teaching, that was a million years ago when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. (laughs) But um, I think at that point they did have like, they would retain kids and make them do like math over seventh grade math over or something like that. And we also had summer school back then. Um, And so they had some programs going, but then they cut all that funding and all that summer school stuff went away. Well, back then, and we totally retained, I had kids two years in a row. I had kids from other cores. When I started teaching, we did retain, we did have summer school. We don't have that now. I wonder what States those kids are getting retained. What did they give you any of that data in that article? No, I didn't say what states are retaining kids from, you know, where the most retentions are occurring. Um, I would be, that would be interesting to see, you know, just um, our principals showed us some, some data from our math and reading tests that we took recently. And the comparison between our school and and our low uh, kids at proficiency was like 12% kids for reading, right? And if you look at the other junior, the other junior high, the, you know, mm. the up there junior high, I think theirs was at 85 or something. Some uh, 83. Like, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But then the, if you look at the feeder schools that are coming in, all of our feeder schools are at that level. 12%. Yeah. I think the highest 12%. was 16%. Yeah. Right. Feeder and then schools. you look at the ones that are feeding the other school and those kids are at a much higher level. So you, you end up dealing with socioeconomic issues. A lot of it has to do with that because that's how our school, that's how our district has divided the two junior highs. One is low socioeconomic and the other is high. And so you definitely see the difference in test scores. So I, again, it, it's something we have to do something to intervene early because holding the kids back isn't doing them any good. It's not, they're not getting anything different. Some of the suggestions that they have are professional development for teachers. I mean, I feel like I'm not really equipped to work with kids who are that far behind. I don't care. Everybody says, well, differentiation. I hate that word. You know, when you have a classroom that's got kids at 12 different levels and I have to differentiate all of them. Yeah. Good luck. I mean, that's just not practical. It's not with everything else that's going on nowadays. It's, and we're just trying to maintain control. It's hard to differentiate when you're just trying to make kids sit in their seats. (laughs) But they also talk about extending the learning time, having kids come before and after school programs. The problem is making them come to those programs. Yeah. And then, like Sharon said earlier, alternative schools. The high school has alternatives, alternative places to send kids. We don't. Yeah, we don't. And we talked about needing something like that at our school. I mean, let's be honest, there would probably be a whole school that would just feed to that school of all students that are performing below far below grade level. When I started teaching, before I started teaching full-time, and I was long-term sub at, at that other junior high, and uh, they had, and I was thinking about this the other day too, they had a classroom designated for those kids, and they did not leave the room, and teachers rotated through, and those were that was the intense intervention. So the kids were not allowed to leave the room. They used the bathroom at a different time. They got their lunch at a different time. You're talking about discipline problems, not necessarily. Yes, discipline, um, discipline problems. Because yeah. you're talking about them sitting in their seat, right? So right, right. if you get rid of those kids too, like they did in my in my case, it sure helps with everybody else. Don't you find though that the majority of kids who are discipline problems are also the majority of kids who are below level? Yeah, way below. Yeah, and that some of their acting out is out of frustration, and that's like the only way they get positive feedback because they're not going to fail. They have this culture of failure, right? They've started failing and failing and failing. They just get passed along, passed along, passed along. So pretty soon they're like, well, I guess I can't do it. So I'm not going to do it. Um, I have a feeling that's part of what we see too. At the same rate, you cannot have them being in a class, being a discipline problem because nobody else gets to learn. Right. Yeah. So there's that intervention thing too, but 
I feel like the interventions that we need are so drastic and so big and so overwhelming that um, I can't see a solution to this problem unless school districts drastically reorganize and change the way they're doing things from the bottom up. That's the only thing I can see where it's going to happen, right? I know there's one school, it must be a small school, they're actually making IEPs for every single student. They each have an individual learning plan. You know what else makes it time uh, hard to do, I think is, especially in public schools, is we don't have the funding that we need to hire the amount of teachers that we need and the specialists that we need. Right now, the public really treats us like a daycare. Oh, we're total daycare. You know, that's really really what we are. Um, Yes, absolutely. So many habits first we were heroes in the beginning of COVID. Oh my God. I can't believe how hard teachers work when they, they were watching their kids at home. And then all of a sudden we were like the enemy. God, the enemy. Get back, to, get back to work. You know, I need my kid to go, you know, and basically the economy depends on, on public school teachers and school teachers because parents need a place, uh, a quote unquote, safe place to put their children while they're going to work. So that attitude isn't helping. My question to you is now, what are solutions there, we know promotion and retention don't work what what could we do as teachers what are we looking at what do we think we could do that might actually have some impact on these kids so that they're not falling through the cracks and coming out of high school illiterate well like you said catch them catch them when they're young catch them in the lower grades cuz each grade is a building block off the grade before so then they need, they need to be worked with until they're at grade level. Like there needs to be something that before they can pass to the next level, they've got to have mastery at that level. It's just, it, it boggles my mind that we just, we just pass kids through like nothing, no big deal. You know, it's really evident in math, isn't it? Because they don't learn the beginning stuff and then they get yeah they building on, blocks. On. Pretty soon they can't multiply. They don't know how to divide. And they, they can't. To- yeah, they can't do any problems because they can't do the basic skills that you need to even, you know, do any of the steps. This is my this is my kind of radical belief system in, is that I really, really feel with everything that's going on now and the public pushback against teachers and schools and what we're teaching and the fact that so many students are failing, I really feel that public education is going to die. If something does not happen that radically changes, it's going to, there's not going to be teachers are quitting like crazy right now. Right. It's you don't have the support. You have uh, kids who can't read and write. We have one thing after another added onto our plate. Now we're having to be counselors. Now we're having to be, you know, um, babysitters. We're having to diagnose kids. We're having, you know, it's just like so many things besides just here's what you do. Here's a noun. Here's a verb. (laughs) You know, we don't do that anymore. So you said something, Jen, I think is really important that the word you said, if they don't reach a certain level, they shouldn't go on. So maybe we should stop having grades and you should be, we should just have levels and you don't move up to kind of like a, almost like a video game, right? They, they don't, up. exactly. They don't, they stay at the same level until they meet the criteria to move up to the next level. So it, it becomes not age related, but knowledge related. How, how much do you know what you'd have to define what mastery meant? And then you would have to design curriculum that would help kids get to mastery. And they just did not move on until they made mastery at that level, whatever that level may be. I was saying in the elementary, you're going to see an age and a size difference. And that's where it's going to be a struggle. I think when you get up to middle school and high school, then, you know, your level, you know, you, you're kind of, you're teenagers. Not, I'll, I'll tell you why I, w- I would take issue with that. Um, only because, um, okay, so I'm going to promote solve. Uh, Solomon Khan's book, One World Schoolhouse. I read it. If you haven't read it, it's to me really interesting and very innovative. Now, this is exactly what he's done at his lab school. And now, okay, it is in a very high um, economic area. The parents are very affluent and people pay to go there. Um, But what he's done is there are no grade levels. So he's got 10 year olds and six year olds in the same math class. And he's got, you know, kids in it's a K-12 school. So he's got a variety of kids 
in all different levels. And he said, what you just said is the biggest fear most people say is like, oh, you can't have a 16 year old with a 10 year old in the same class. But what he's found is that um, there's a sense of community that becomes that comes from that. Uh, the little kids look up to the older kids for help and the older kids begin to act like t- caretakers for the little kids. So there's not so much. That's what he's found anyway. And I think, you know, if it if you started school this way, then and it was just the expectation it would work. But in order for something like that to really happen, you'd almost have to start a new school. Start it with kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't just throw that in the mix. You can't be like, oh, no, no there yeah, you go. Yeah, absolutely. Because these older kids would be bullying. They yeah. would. If I was a parent, I would say no freaking way. I don't want my young daughter in a school with all these older boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hell to the no. Yeah. But if you if, for example, if a district was like, you know what, let's get let's get this to scale. And they, you'd have to start a new school. Like you'd have to take a school and say, okay, this year, here's all the standards that we're going to have for kindergartners. And then the next year we'll add the next standard for the next level. And those that make it get to go on and those that don't, don't. And they, you can keep getting, you know, in inputting kids each year, but you'd have to start at the kindergarten level, move up. I, th- I think too, though, if you did that, or even just with retention now, they can't do the same thing because obviously that didn't work. It's got to be, okay, let's learn those math skills, but in a different way or something. Because the whatever, however the class was the first time, it, it didn't work, right? You can't just make them repeat. That's, that's, it's, it needs to happen differently. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to have a multiple, like multiple people to teach them in different ways. It's, it gets really complicated, you know, and, but then at the same time, how do you work with kids, for example, who um, really have the brains they are at grade level, but they just don't want to work. They're just lazy. Yeah. We've got some of those too. Do you retain them? They're going to be a YouTuber. So yeah, yeah. They're going to be an influencer. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> Doesn't well, matter. <laughs> more power to them. They're so going to pay somebody. A lot of money. Absolutely. But it, guess what? It's not going to be. I mean, what what are the chances of that really happening, though? Yeah. Because I hear those students all. I'm going to be a gamer. I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to do yeah. this. I'm gonna, what are the actual statistics that that is going to happen? Is it one in ten million? Is it one in a million? Like, it could work if it was restructured correctly. But that's exactly what they're going to have to do, though. I'm really thinking mm-hmm. that public school is going to have to restructure. Because and you know they won't because that's that's money. This problem is not going away. Mm-mm. It's going to get worse. I'm saying we're all Title One, right? We're all Title yeah. One. So there's money out there. There's tons of money right now. We had summer school last year where it was till two o'clock, and they it was actually pretty cool because they did their language arts, they did their math, and they also did art and exercise and yoga, and you know they did PE and they did other things. Yeah, that not just the that allowed time. them to have them come exactly. Yeah. So they had yoga, they had art class, they had. But they had their language arts, they had their math, and the kids enjoyed it. Yeah. They were like, yay, we're going to go do, we're going to go paint. We're going to do the color world. We're going to go do other things. And they enjoyed it. So the math and the language arts was, you know, it was okay. We have to do that. We have to, you know, brush apart our skills. But we get to paint later. Yeah. We get to do yoga. We get to do, you know, whatever exercise program they had. Don't you think that school, another problem is that the the way we teach school and what we teach is now kind of obsolete to what kids really need, right? I mean, why are we teaching kids trigonometry and algebra when the vast majority of them will never use it? We should be instead teaching them how to deal with big data sets and how to use statistics and how to read information like that. Right, career kind of math. Yeah. yeah. How to do finances. Why aren't we teaching them how to balance a checkbook? Well, checkbook, they don't use that anymore. How to use yeah. Venmo. Mm-hmm. No, how to, <laughs> you know, how to, get, what's a 401k in high school? They should be doing retirement. What, what's it like to have, you know, a credit card? Holy yeah. moly. The other thing that's destroyed kids um, and made them not as smart. Social media. The phone that just having that phone in their face all of the time. And so that makes we never had that. No. no, thank God I didn't grow up in this era. Oh, oh my God. Jen, we would not be teachers right now. We, we wouldn't. wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would have never made it. Never, ever made it. The, the problem is we're not teaching them how to use that, that technology uh, effectively. So 
and we're not teaching them how to cert- make do good internet searches. We're not teaching them how to how to go through what's truthful, what's not, how to verify sources. Um, we're not showing them how bias, how, yeah. how social media can be used um, in you know for positive ways, and um, it, and they're they're addicted. They're, that's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. So we need to figure out ways to incorporate what they're what they need in order to be successful citizens with what they already have now. So it's like I said, school needs to pivot. It's not going to get easier. Well, think about it. We've been doing the same thing for forever, right? The school system is the same since freaking Laura Ingalls Wilder, right? On the prairie. (laughs) The, The day and times are constantly changing. Why isn't school? Why aren't we changing? Why aren't we adapting to it? Like, I don't get it. It's because people are afraid of change, right? This is the way it's always been. Think, think about just how much ruckus was in our school district when they were talking about moving the dates for summer vacation. <laughs> I mean, if you True. really want to look at it, summer vacation is obsolete. We should not have that long a period where there's no school. I'm sorry, don't throw things at me. But, um, but you know, what if you had, well, that's the, the beauty of year round school. You have uh, less time. I actually did year round school for a minute and I didn't mind it at all. I worked for three months. I had a month off. I worked for three months. I had a month. It's kind of cool. Yeah. The only that sucks. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. It wasn't bad at all, but I, I mean, I've heard the arguments for both sides. I mean, it's like, okay, you have a month off, you come back, you spend a week reteaching. So when you add up all those weeks, as opposed to, okay, it's summer vacation now you're supposed to be starting a new grade level. You're going to start where your grade level starts kind of thing. You know what I mean? Which is stupid, but I liked year round school. I thought it was kind of cool. I think we need to, I think we need to think about that. And the other thing that they um, research was showing was good was um, block scheduling. Cause that has a lot of advantages of flexibility to it and multi-age grouping. That was another one that is said that was good, right? In a single classroom. Also looping. Have you heard of that? Where a teacher. Yep. Yeah. Looping. Yeah. I've never heard of it. What is it? What's that? <laughs> looping is. We have it at our school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had it a couple of times at our school. How did that work? So looping, just for those who may not know, is when, it's fabulous. It's when a teacher stays with the same group of students for multiple years. Oh, you really, yeah. You really yeah, get to yeah. know them. So how did you said it worked well at your school, Yvonne? That's cool. We had a TK teacher who was phenomenal. She's very, you know, she's very nurturing and caring. She moved up to kindergarten with that same group. And that group is doing a fabulous job. We had another teacher that was in kindergarten and moved up. No, preschool, went to kindergarten, then went to first grade. Now she's in first grade. So she had those kids for three years. years. Yeah, and that's awesome. It just happened how she got, you know, she finished her degree and then moved up to kinder and then moved up to first grade. It just happened that way, but the kids are doing a great job. You really get to know like, the kids and the families. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Build a absolutely. lot of good relationships with them. That yeah. Might be something, that may be something. A, different. And you become a team instead of, you know, exactly us versus them. Yeah. A, a while ago, I met a woman from Russia. Um, she came over and we were like doing a teacher exchange kind of thing. And she came over and she said that this was years ago. So I don't, who knows what they're doing over there now besides things in Ukraine, but um, they, in, <laughs> in uh, Russia, they, she had the same group of kids all the way from elementary, from first grade, all the way through high school. She had those kids the whole time. And that, but let's be honest, teachers are not going to want to do that because now you have to to learn a new curriculum. They're going to have new other things that's going to get harder and harder. And they, they don't, people that teach first primary, they don't want to teach upper. So maybe Mm -hmm. we need to have, why why don't you have looping them from kindergarten through third? Third and, and then, then fourth through four six. Through six. And that then might seventh be a, and eighth. And then high school doesn't matter. Yeah. Can you imagine that, that? That might be a solution. Maybe having that conversation, the teachers who are passing the kids on to the next teacher, the conversations that could be had about in depth, like this kid needs this. This is what's worked with this child. This is what's worked with this kid. Here's what this family needs. And you could pass that on to the next group. If, if, would you keep the same kids together? You know, what if you get those kids, that group of kids where you're oh, like, oh gosh, you're like, anymore. no, I can't do I cannot, I can't imagine. I cannot do that. Like, would you switch within your, you know, within your four, five, six, now that you're moving up? But then that wouldn't be looping. 
Well, you're you're relooping. You're looping <laughs> again. You're relooping. You're interlooping. You're looping anew. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't right. know. That would be something that would be interesting to see if there's any studies about that. I mean, other things right. that would help prevent having to retain kids or promote kids who aren't ready, like small class sizes. We've been pushing for that forever. I would love to see more project-based learning come out. Mm, I love that. Especially project-based learning that affects their own personal communities where they're actually seeing that they have the power to make a difference. And then you're incorporating the learning within that. And then they have a final project that gets delivered or it makes a difference or they can present it. Um, And that ups their little, you know, emotional buy-in to it kind of thing. So I think that would be nice to see curriculum changes like that. What would you think, what would you think about, um, if they increase teachers work year, like, let's say they paid us year round, we work instead of working just 184 days, we now work through the summer without kids. And in the summertime, that's when we look at the data for our incoming kids. We look at, we, instead of trying to do it all when they get there that first week, you know, we don't know who's going to walk into our class. If you knew this, you know, the, in June, who is walking into your class in August and that you were paid to actually work with your team to devise your interventions, decide who's going what, what kind of work this kid needs. And you had that whole time and you were paid for that. Would not the school year be better? Would you not be able to catch and help those kids before you had to figure out like four months down the line who was really hurt? right? Wait, wait for paperwork on them to figure out, oh, this is a spec kid or whatever. <laughs> Wait or can we just do it Tuesday through Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no Monday, no Friday. Yeah. 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 I mean, even so, want a break. Yeah. I think, I mean, why would, that would be an innovative way to a couple weeks that, would be great. Right. If you, if they paid teachers to get that going during the summer, it was part of your contract. It wasn't like, Oh, I think I will. No, you have to work in the summer with your team and you have to get ready for the school year coming up. Doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're stuck on that. You can always make changes, of course, but I know for me, the very first couple of weeks of school, I'm always trying to figure out who's who, what do they need? Who's struggling? I don't know this kid. Sometimes I, you know, I don't have time to look at all their cum folders and make lesson plans and do all of that. But if I had the summertime and I knew who was coming into my class, I knew who my students were and my core of teachers did. We knew what group of students we were working on. We could actually like set up programs and things to meet their more personal needs, make it more individualized per our core. Well, and with that, that would take a lot of discipline from admin because they don't even put kids into our classes until like right before school starts. So that have to be done way in advance. Right. And you would need to get it pretty set in stone because my gosh, the first couple of weeks of school, kids are constantly in and transferring in and out of classes, in and out of classes. It's like, they're still figuring it out and doing schedule changes like well into like the third week of school. It's kind of ridiculous. That is true. That would be a problem. But for the majority of kids though, I think it would work. And I think not only that, it does help teachers to feel more confident when they walk into the class on the first day. Something else I thought might help with, with retention and promotion and encouraging kids would be to get away, get rid of letter grades. They're all arbitrary anyway, and instead have mastery grades, like percent mastery. So you're 30% there, you're 50% there. You've almost got, you're 90% almost mastered this concept and have mastery grades instead so that they knew how close they were to actually making their level. What I think is an A is somebody else is going to think is a C. Yeah, well, that's the problem with grades. Maybe not so much in math, but in English, you know, that's you so can grade an I, essay completely different how I would grade it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. With the rubric, even, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because my interpretation is different than yours. Yeah. What is mastery? Each district is allowed to set up their yeah, decide what mastery is for them. That's crazy. For promotion. There's right? no standard. What their, what their standard is. But they're still like going to promote anyway. <laughs> but whether but it's mastered or not mastered. You know, but my question is this, I don't even know what it is at our district. Who knows? I went to, I went to try to look it up. I could not find anything that said the student needs to have this score on the, on the state so, test. They have to have uh, this score on the writing test. I found something. Click on that link under social promotion. If you click on that, check this out. Mm-hmm. I added this link in here. So okay. I had to go through like pages and pages to get to this page, promotion, acceleration, retention. Last revised 2019. 
So if you scroll down, right, if you just kind of tinker through this, um, uh, grades, the one that I thought was um, interesting, when a student in grades two through nine is retained or recommended for retention, the superintendent or designee shall offer an appropriate program of remedial instruction to assist the student in meeting grade level expectations. The district also may offer supplemental instruction to a student in grades two through six um, who is identified at being, does any, who does that? Is that happening? That's on our page of policies. These are our policies for our school district. That's, that's not happening, right? Recommended for re retention or not meeting grade level. Okay, we need, we're supposed to be offering appropriate program of remedial instruction. Yeah, they, yeah no, not happening. None of that's happening. Who knows this? And how I long mean, did I, you have I to didn't... scan through that just to find it? Oh my gosh. Well, and it still really doesn't say what the policy is. It's very vague. Yeah. I, it is vague. There is no, there is no, this is what the criteria, there is no, this is what they have to do. None of that. It's not concrete. Right. Yeah. Plus the fact that it says that teachers have the right to retain. I didn't know that. I was always told we did it. I always thought it was the parent's ultimate right. That's you what I thought. It, but your parent, according to this, though, and this is our, our school district, yeah. they have to they have to appeal it. We can say we're going to retain them, and then the parent has to go through the appeal process. But what if it's opposite? What if your parent, you're the parent, and you feel like your child should be retained because they are not? I think they still have to appeal. Yeah, it. sounds like there's they a whole stupid process for that too. Look at students shall be identified for retention on the basis of failure, failure to meet minimum levels of proficiency as, indica as indicated by grades. Oh, as indicated by grades. That's what it says. It says it right there as indicated by grades and the following additional indicators of academic achievement. Students between grades two and three and grades three and four shall be identified primarily on the basis of their level of proficiency in reading. Proficiency in reading, English language arts, and mathematics shall be the basis for identifying, identifying students between grades four and five, between intermediate and middle school grades, and between middle school grades and high school grades. Ed code 480-70.5. <laughs> So we, I mean, can you imagine if we really did stick to those standards, they had to be at grade level, right? In order to move to the next grade, because that's kind of what it's saying at, you know, or maybe we say a minimum of, a, of two grades below. Maybe we say, if you're in seventh grade and you're reading at fifth grade level, you could go to the eighth grade. But how many kids would we be retaining if we actually followed through on that? Right now. Right now, at least half. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I'd have to get bigger desks. Oh. I'd have to get adult-sized desks. Yes. You <laughs> <laughs> the little ones would not fit anymore. Different chairs. So, so this is what the this is the big problem, folks. Is it's a mess. It's a big mess, and I I I truly feel in that um, the real only way that this gap this this learning problem. Um, the fact that we are producing children that are incapable of reading, writing, thinking, or having an imagination. Um, in order for that to change, there's got to be drastic shifts in mm -hmm. public education. Drastic. And what's sad is I don't see that happening. Like, experimental schools, you know, I, you'd have to start, the district would have to start experimental schools where they actually put some of those recommended policies into place and then, then be able to see, um, and can you imagine how long that would take to find, get results that would be meaningful. You'd have to see that do those students in that experimental school using those recommended policies, Excel and, and make grade level, or are they still behind? So yeah. all I can say is what we're doing now isn't working. I don't know how you feel about it's it, but it's not totally working. Totally not working. And when, bottom line is, yeah. it's got to change. When we, when I first started, I was hired as an intervention teacher, and I did a grade level reading group. They had, you know, their reading groups by um, level, so they had, you know, you had the higher kids, the far below, and you based your intervention by the size as well. 
And then afterwards, we did an extended learning in kindergarten. So we kept the kindergarten as an extra hour to an hour and a half, like the thing was an hour. And we um, did other things with, you know, read aloud and comprehension and stuff like that. And that group of students, I think they're graduating this year or they graduated last year, was a phenomenal group of students all the way to sixth grade. And I know they did well in junior high and high school. So maybe it would be something like that. Like, you know, your day is this and then, you know, you're going to have another hour of something, maybe it's shorter, maybe that's it's longer. One of the recommended things. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the recommended things they said. You have to increase your school day. You have to, ha- it just has to happen. You know, for some kids, eight to two thirty isn't enough. They need more intensive. They need more intensive interventions. But if you're so, in kindergarten and your day is, you know, ours is what? seven forty to eleven forty-five. I get that they're, their attention and their, I get that that's not ideal for them. However, don't they say that, you know, the younger you are, the, the more you're like a sponge and you just soak everything up mm-hmm. at that age. I hope so. with, you would have to make the activities, you know, kindergarten interesting, Yeah, you know, something like that. There's, there's so much here. Um, but bottom line is social promotion, retention, neither one of those works. Oh, no. That doesn't work. None of it does. So, that just needs to be thrown away. So what has to happen basically is early intervention, right? Early intervention. And we have to have some kind of programs that are more student centered and more focused on needs and go above and beyond. I'm not, don't you think too, like, okay, so what, what's the schedule? They have a little pro they have, they promote from kinder, right? to first (laughs) don't they and then don't they have when do they promote again is it not till sixth grade depends on if you're up to fifth or sixth you go fifth to six seven eight or you go from six to seven eight okay so we we go through six at our school then you have another promotion in eighth grade by the time you get to high school isn't the you know promoting from high school is a big deal graduation from high school is a big deal but if you've already done it three or four times you know like, I don't know, like, this it is stupid to, that's stupid to me. I know, but the argument is for some kids, that's the only promotion. Oh, God. <laughs> that's a low bar. <laughs> but then it's going to oh, be getting gosh. grander and bigger. Yes, it, the amount of money that the school spends on these ridiculous fit, promotions. Our eighth graders, they go and they graduate from this collegiate hall so freaking it. it's like what a crock that's so stupid all the money that we pay you know what i mean mm-hmm. and yeah, all these yeah, kids have to have it. is what is it like a 2.0 or something they can have no no they can like have, they can't have probably. Have, if they have like three f's they can't yeah go, but if they, they have two have f's they can right is that isn't that what yeah it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Well, that's what I was thinking too about A, B, C, D, E. Like, why is there no E? Because that would come next. I mean, <laughs> for fail. Because F for E fail. stands for excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So maybe that should be, you should get an E and maybe it should be some of A. E for, e for egghead. E for, e for <laughs> idiot. That's probably how some of our kids would spell it. <laughs> idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, I think um, neither one. They're both stupid. You know? Yeah, it we can't sounds like it. Ed Code. We've got to make there's got to be bigger changes made. I don't know what it is, but anyhow. So we're gonna have to leave it to the powers that be. If enough people complain about it, and enough people feel like they're they're tired of doing things the same way, and if teachers, it's got to come grassroots. I'm really afraid it's gonna have to come from bottom up because we know a top down don't work because it would have been done already. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, and be honest, we're a Title One too. A lot of our parents and families are not going to be the ones that are going to be knocking at that door. No, they're not for several reasons. Yeah. We got it. So, we, so everybody who's out there listening, if you're a teacher, start rattling the cage, get your parents on board, start um, doing some research, look at best practices, talk to your superintendents. They've got to make some changes. Maybe somebody will get at your district will grow some cajones and make a, a school or start something new. Um, obviously, we can't, like Yvonne said earlier, you can't just go, okay, we're doing this now, everybody. That's not going to work. 
after everything it, it, it has a to frenzy. Be, right. It has to be experimental. It has to start at the beginning and then slowly move up. If you got anything out of this today, don't forget, go to transparencyinteaching.com and leave us some comments. We really need comments that are not bots. That would be nice. <laughs> We've got some comments from some robots. What was the, <laughs> there was one, one was like porn or something. <laughs> hey, we're just checking out your page. Thought it was really cool. It looks like you might need some CBD. Yeah, Come on yeah. over to my website and I'll, you know, you can buy some over there and stuff like that. It's like spam stuff. But anyway, um, they probably gave our, our mood and felt like we need. <laughs> yeah, we needed, we needed it. Ah. I'm sure they go and put that on every educator's website there is. Um, but you can also leave voice comments if you go and visit us on anchor.fm and uh, visit us there. And uh, let us know what you think. All right. Hey, Yvonne, yes. thanks for yeah. having us. Thank Hope you for inviting good. me. I had a blast. Good. Have some more blasts coming up. We're, you'll be here. You're part of the crew now. <laughs> All right. Uh-oh. Later, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.